serious season, of, of course, is Christmas. It's the Christmas story. We, we decided this year that what we wanted to do, because how many know that Christmas in 2020 is a little bit odd? Can we agree to that? It's a little bit different. You know, plans that we usually do, things are not happening. You know, we're, we're finding different ways to celebrate it. Justin, I, you know, the, the disappointment in his eyes, there's no Christmas village. We're not having fake snow and all that good stuff. But, you know, the message of Christmas has not changed, and it has not changed since the day God in his heart said, I will send my son into all the world. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we come to this Christmas, and we want to look into the characters of Christmas, because out of that, we see the oddness, the uniqueness of how God works through people like you and I to carry out his work that literally changes the world. So this morning, we open by looking into this story in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she's found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Nothing odd about that, right? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he'd considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I know that we come into this time, and I hear a lot of conversations about what can't be. A lot of discouragement, a lot of things of like, well, but I really want it, and this is what I desire. Can I tell you, hope still lives in this season. And hope lives because God so loved the world that he sent his son to us. And we see in him not just a birth, because that's, that's a big mistake about Christmas. We, some of you, oh, we're going to celebrate the birth. It is a birth, but really it's a coming. It's the coming of God with us. God Emmanuel among us, God coming to, to save his people from their sins. How many like a mission statement like that, right? I mean, talk about having a direction and a path. He came to save his people from their sins. Because here's the good news. This is the gospel message we have to understand is that God did not send a prophet. God did not send a preacher. God did not send a committee to tell us how to find God. No, God himself came on the earth and said, here I am. I've come to save you from your sin. You see, the incarnation is the supreme miracle of Christmas, that God himself came to earth. Oh, he was fully God, fully man through Jesus Christ, but he came to save us. I want to quickly, before we go into looking at the character I want to focus on today, we've got to focus on the main character, and that's Jesus, because he was Emmanuel, God with us. And there's three things that does for me that I want to very quickly lay into us, and then we're going to speak into and uh, another character this morning. But understand this, the, the fact that he is God gives us the greatest possible hope there is. The fact that he is God gives us the, the greatest hope there is. Think about this for a second. A holy, loving God came down because he, because he could not shrug off the fact that sin was destroying us and it had to be dealt with. And in his love, he knew that we were incapable of perfecting ourselves. How many are like, hi, I'm Mike. I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. We're all in that club, right? We couldn't overcome sin. We couldn't overcome its consequences. So instead of waiting for us to come to him, God came to us. That's the great miracle. He himself came to do what we couldn't do. 
Emmanuel, God, with us. He didn't send somebody. We would, if we did, we'd make an idol out of that preacher, right? We'd make an idol of that prophet. He didn't send someone else to tell us how to save ourselves. He came, and that's the hope for the world. Here's the second thing we need to know about this, and that is the fact that he was human means infinite infinite comfort in in the suffering of our lives. While we walk this earth, (laughs) as as Jesus made it clear to his, his disciples, we will have trouble. We can't get around that. We're humans, we're fallible, we live in a sin-cursed world that is falling apart all around us. But we know this, because God came among us, because he was human, he speaks into our suffering, and oh, by the way, he can do something about it, because remember, he is God. You see, the doctrine of Christmas and the incarnation is that Jesus was truly God, but he was also truly human. That means that God came to suffer. He came to bear upon himself our pain, our sickness, our fears, our sin. So that in this journey on this earth, which the Bible says is just a breath compared to all eternity, but even that matters to him so that we can come now to a God who gets us, knows us, and can speak into our lives. Hebrew writers said it this way in the book of Hebrews chapter 2. He said, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Somebody should just say praise God right there. I mean, come on. I mean, when we go through suffering in life, it it feels so lonely, doesn't it? It's so isolating. This is probably one of the most isolated years of my lifetime. But yet in the midst of that, God is there. And not only is he there, he's not just patting me on the back going, get over it. Guess what? He can say, I get it. I understand. I have suffered in every way you think you will ever suffer. And oh, by the way, I can do something about it. Think about it. When you are suffering, people's sympathy is appreciated, but it fails to close the gap on our pain. Thanks for thinking about me. But I still feel isolated in my pain. But into that steps Jesus one who understands. Isn't it true that if you're going through and maybe maybe you've got a disease or maybe you've gone through an experience and, and it seems like, you know, nobody understands you meet someone who's walked that same path, all of a sudden you have an affinity, don't you? Hey, how, what did you experience? How did this happen? What, what did you say here and there? Why? Because you're walking through something that is unique to you together. So you pour your heart out to them. You listen to them. You value their opinions. Why? Because they bring comfort to you. Think about this. Jesus would look at you and say, have you ever been betrayed? Yeah, I know what that feels like. Have you ever been lonely? Yeah. That night in the Garden of Gethsemane, they all walked off. Have you ever been destitute? Have you ever faced death? Have you ever had your prayers go unanswered? (laughs) Take this cup, Lord. (laughs) It's okay. If I don't have to go through this, that'd be all right. Have you ever felt like God's abandoned you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, there's nothing we experience on this earth that our Savior has not gone through. There's nothing we would ever face that he can't speak into, not only to bring comfort, but also to bring his power to bear in our lives. And Christmas reminds us of that, that God has been everywhere we have been, everywhere we might go. He's been in the darkness and the light, and he is with us. We can trust him. We can put our faith in him. He is our God. And finally, the power and the fact that God is with us means we can know him. We can know his love. 
And through faith, we can know how he loves us. Think about this, gang. When Jesus came on the scene, he didn't come to bring judgments. Read, read John 3, 17. He didn't come to bring judgment, but to bear it. He, he didn't come to exact a penalty. He came to pay the penalty for our sins, to take away the barrier between us and our God. It says, now be reconciled to your Father. Now come and, and walk with the one who loves you. So every year at Christmas, we speak and sing about Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. But the question today that I want to just dive into in the time we have is, are we with him? God is with us, but are we with him? Do we truly know him? Or do we just know about him? See, I find a lot of religious scholars in our country that know a lot about Jesus. In fact, they use his name in vain all the time. Don't even think about it because they know a lot about Jesus. But do we really know him? You see, Jesus literally moved heaven on earth to get near us. But what are we doing to be near him? We speak of our desire to have a personal relationship with him, but often sometimes we don't even know what that looks like. So I want to, through the characters of the story, show us what that looks like. And today we're going to look at one character that I think is really the unsung hero of the Christmas story, and that is Joseph. Joseph doesn't get a lot of press in the Christmas story, does he? And yet, think about it. How would you like to be the one person on earth that God entrusts to raise his son? Woo! Talk about stress. I mean, it's one thing to raise your own kids, but God goes, here's my son, don't mess it up. And that's Joseph. You see, Joseph was a man that we don't read a lot in the story. In fact, scholars believe that not long after Jesus' birth, before Jesus came into his own and, and, and began his ministry, that, that many scholars believe Joseph died, that, that he was out of the picture. But there are things in the Christmas story that show us things about Joseph that need to be in our lives that allow us to know what it means to walk in a personal relationship with our God. And one of those is that he was obviously a man that prayed. He was obviously a man that, that talked to God, but more importantly, listen, he was a man who listened to God. I'm not going to ask to raise hands, but how many of us do more talking to God than listening to God? We, we can, we can whine, I mean, I mean pray. We can complain, I mean pray. But yet when we're done, we're like, well, see you later, God. I hope you can deal with that. But when you learn to listen to God. We learn to cultivate God's ability to speak into our lives. I remember in 1 Kings 3, 9, Solomon, the wisest man of, of all time, according to God's word, said this to God. So God, give your servant a discerning heart, an understanding heart. Some, some interpretations say a listening ear to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? That's a, that's a healthy prayer. God, give me a discerning heart. Give me a listening ear. You see, Joseph, the husband of Mary, was tasked to, to literally raise God's son. Can you imagine that? And if, if you think about it, if you're God the Father, what kind of person would you want to raise your son anyway? Hopefully, someone who would listen to you and do what you say, if you're God. Hopefully, someone that doesn't say, well, I've got my own plan, my own ideas, I've got my own way of doing this, but no, someone who would listen to God and literally obey, because that's what Joseph did. He saw God in this crazy scenario, and he listened to God, and he acted by faith to carry out God's plan on this earth. And you say, well, Mike, that's, that's great, but you know what? He had an angel show up. Pretty easy to listen to God when an angel shows up. Well, I don't get the rest of the story with Joseph, but I don't think an angel showed up every day. 
And why would that freak us out anyway? Think about this. A lot of us have this pattern. We say, oh, I know how God speaks to me. And we, when we, over our lifetime, we develop this thought, well, this is how God always speaks to me. How know God has the ability to interrupt the way he speaks to you? And he is God, and he can do whatever he wants to do. I had, I had this happen just a few weeks ago, and I know for some, I, this may be a little more charismatic than you want to be, but it's in the Bible, so I think we should be okay, okay with that. But a few weeks ago, there were, there were a lot of things that I've been really just praying through, just, just grinding in, just pushing it out to God, listening. And I'm, I'm, I'm not getting where I, what I need to be in that answer, but I'm trusting. God, I trust you. I know you're going to show me what to do. And literally a few Sundays ago after service, Heather did it. She came and said, hey, there's this young lady that's here, and she says she's got something to say to you, and she kind of raised her eyebrow. And I, masks are wonderful right now because they hide our facial expressions. And we're like, oh, great. Somebody wants to talk to me. Uh, so I go. And straight up, this young lady goes, I know you don't know me. God woke me up this morning to come here, and he has something to say to you. And she spoke three things in my life that were boom, boom, boom. Exactly what I've been praying about. There was nothing to do with him. There was one thing. I, I, I immediately went and obeyed that because I, I just felt it in my spirit. Why? And someone I was sharing this with this week says, oh, who knows you didn't entertain an angel, Mike? Because the scripture says that's possible. Now, if you're listening on podcast, you're not an angel girl. That's okay. All right? But God speaks. But we've got to be willing to listen. So Joseph had this listening heart. And I want to point out some characteristics of a listening heart that, that I think will help us grow in our walk with God. And number one is this. A listening heart obeys God even when it doesn't understand what God is saying or asking. A listening heart obeys God even when it doesn't understand. Because think about it. What good is it to hear from God if you're not going to do what he says anyway? Some people are honestly not hearing God because you've not yet obeyed what God showed you. Some of you are struggling. You keep crying out, God, speak to me. And he's like, I already did. But you had not shown any desire to obey you see, we've got to learn to trust God. Listen, if we want to hear from God, we've got to go back to the last thing he said to us and do it. And then watch God move in your life. Because God works and flows through the obedience of his children. You see, while Joseph had just heard from Mary this crazy story, God spoke to him through an angel. Pick it up and, and, and it says in verse 20, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus because he's, he will save his people from their sins. <laughs> Joseph could have done what we always do. God, I need some more information. God, I need to see how this is going to work out. God, I, I'm not so sure you're talking to me. God, this is just flat crazy, okay? But that's not what Joseph did. Look at verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. You see, so often we're asking God to speak, so often we're seeking God in prayer, and God reveals his will to us through his word or through, through listening to his voice, or in that scenario, God's sending someone to speak into our lives. What we've what we got to be so careful about is that we don't just go into this questioning mode. Well, God, I, I don't really know if I want to do that. God, I'm not so sure. You've never spoken to me that way before, God. 
God, I, I, need, I need more clarification. I need, I need a five-year plan, God. I mean, this doesn't fit in what I, what I think you've done before. But can I tell you, that, that kind of mindset will keep you from hearing from God. That kind of mindset will get in the way of, of a listening heart. Because listen, if you have to understand God's will in order to do God's will, then there's a lot of God's will that's never going to be done. Because God doesn't always give us the five-year plan. There are a lot of things that God doesn't tell us, but he always tells us enough to do his will. And when we do the part that he tells us to do, then God will reveal more to us. But we're impatient. All of a sudden, we all think we're from Missouri. You've got to show me something, God. No. There's times we've got to learn to obey, even when it doesn't make sense. So Joseph obeyed, and it made sense. Here's the second thing about a listening heart that Joseph shows us. A listening heart obeys God immediately. Immediately. Again, we have a tendency to question God, and, and we start doing the T-chart, pros and cons. Well, if I follow what I think is God, here's what could happen, but here's what could happen. They may think I'm crazy, or I can walk in the will of God. Maybe it was bad pizza. Maybe it was an angel. I don't know. But we get into all this argument in our heads and minds because after all, we are so natural. We forget that God is supernatural and we don't want to appear weird or charismatic. Or we can just listen to God and take the risk that obeying Him is going to work out. I mean, we don't like to say it, but when we get into these arguments and our minds are just fighting back and forth over whether we obey Him or not, what we're really doing is disobeying Him. But none of us would ever like to say that. Because that would be, we'd have to admit we're sinners. But that's exactly what we're doing. I mean, think about it. In, in Matthew 2, so Jesus is born, you know, all the manger scene, king, you know, the wise men, all that come. But King Herod, the bad guy in all this, King Herod wanted to kill Jesus. So he made this decree across the land that all male babies born in a certain time frame in a certain area were to be killed. They were to be executed. Can you imagine the, the outcry of what was taking place? But yet God was not done speaking to Joseph. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, it says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So here, here's, here's God speaking to Joseph again. Get up. He said, Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod's going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt. If you have an old regular Bible underlined in the middle of the night, it wasn't like, hey, God, I haven't had my seven hours of sleep yet. And, you know, Mary's a little cranky, so we'll deal with this in the morning, okay? That baby's been keeping us up all night. No, he said, immediately, Mary, get up, get dressed. Get on the donkey. We're out of here. Why? Because God said, do it. You see, a listening heart doesn't debate. A listening heart dives in. A listening heart says, yes, Lord. It, it, it doesn't matter. The issue is never, is God speaking to me? The issue is, am I listening and obeying, or am I just delaying what I hope to be with obedience? You know, here's what happens when we do that. I've learned over my life, when you delay obedience... Here's what typically happens. Number one, you become less sure that you heard God's voice any, to begin with. You, you become less sure. You become doubting, questioning. What you're saying is, is I'm, not, I'm not really that unique to God because he speaks to others, but I must not be hearing him because now the less sure you are to hear his voice. Here's the second thing I notice when I delay obedience, God's voice gets softer. 
God doesn't shake the rafters of your house to get your attention. Oh, he can. And he will if he's really trying to work through something and you just aren't getting there because of pain or whatever it may be in your life. But I've also learned that when you delay obedience, the harder obedience becomes. Now, instead of a disciple, now you're, you're a volunteer that hopes Jesus loves them. You see, there are times that God asks us to do things that we're not totally comfortable with. There's times where it doesn't fit our preference or our plan, or we don't feel gifted to do it, but yet God says, do it anyway. And we've experienced this in our lifetime in, in the areas of, of giving. We've been like at a conference somewhere, and, and again, we've always been engaged in tithes and offerings we give to missions, but all of a sudden, someone gets up and speaks, and, and the Holy Spirit goes, you need to support them. And how many know God will even give you an exact amount? And come on, be honest. I'm going to be just Mike right now. Your head wants to go to, hmm, how much is in my account? And what do I owe? And who needs a new pair of shoes? And what are we doing here? And, but we learned a long time ago, if you don't act immediately, you're robbing yourself of seeing God do above and beyond what you can ask or imagine. Because he's not asking, what you, can you do? He's asking, do you trust me to do through you that which you cannot do? That he receives the glory and he receives the honor. So here's what we do, though. We dismiss that, and we're like, well, I don't know. And then we go home, we run the numbers, we come back, and finally about a week later, we're like, you know what? I should have done that anyway. Okay, God, here's the check. But we've missed the moment. Oh, the missionary will be blessed, but we've missed the moment. It wasn't about the gift. It wasn't even about the missionaries, about your obedience and developing a heart that God can trust and saying, I will move through you when you trust me. Listen, gang, I'd rather be wrong <laughs> and have God lead me through my obedience than to second guess and miss out on the opportunity to obey him and, and grow my knowledge of the Lord. I'd rather be wrong. God, I blew that. I shouldn't have written that check, but that missionary got to go a little further out of obedience. Does anybody listen this morning? Come on. You see, a listening heart obeys God when it doesn't make sense, obeys God immediately, but a listening heart also is one that is constantly in tune with the Lord. Listening always. Matthew 2, 19, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 19 says, After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. A little history lesson. If Herod was bad... Archelaus was super bad. He was worse than his dad. He says, wait a minute, I've heard things. But having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and lived in a town called Nazareth so that was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. See, Joseph was attuned to God. He was listening always. He was, he was anticipating God directing their lives. You see, when he went to Egypt, God could have told him the whole story, couldn't he? He could have said, hey, Joseph, I want you and Mary to go to Egypt because Herod's trying to kill the baby, but there's going to come a day that he dies, Archelaus will rise up, and when you know that, I want you to come back, and everything's going to be okay. But he didn't do that, did he? He just said, go to Egypt. And then later he said, now it's time to return. You see, sometimes... We don't advance in our walk with God because we think that we need and that God owes us a full explanation of everything. So what do the next five years look like for you? I hate that question. 
had a friend of mine do that to me recently. I'm like, are you kidding me? I signed up for the journey a long time ago. I don't know if I'm doing five minutes from now, much less five years. I hope I'm doing God's will. That's my ultimate desire. But I can't, I can't tell you that God has laid out this five-year plan. See, he could have given him all that. But here's what happens. If, we're, if we have that mindset that, God, you owe me more information, we will never move forward with God. We will never take a step of faith. We will never move out because we're waiting for more, more, more to satisfy our understanding instead of trusting God right where he is. It's kind of like this. I've always loved this proverb. In fact, I have a painting in my house my, my kids gave me years ago that, uh, that reflects this. It's Proverbs 4.18. It says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. What it speaks of is this, the more you walk with God, the more you trust God, the brighter it gets. The more you step out by faith, all of a sudden now you enter a place where God can give you a little more, where God can reveal a little more. And think about it, why does he do that anyway? Honestly, in my life, if God would have laid out for me a 10-year plan or a 12-year plan 12 years ago, I couldn't handle it. I'm sorry, I'd have been like curled up in a fetal position going, take me now, Jesus. Rapture would be good. We, we, we're not made to handle that. So we have to trust him. We take what God has given us, and we move toward it, and we express a dependency on God. And honestly, church, that's where the excitement is. Here's what I'm convinced. My, Mike Field's version of this whole story today is this. The reason some people do never hear from God is because they are asking God for a boring Christian life. God, please get me to heaven. Well, if you're saved, you got that kind of guaranteed, don't you? God, let my kids be a little better than theirs. God can have a little money in the bank. God, God, keep me healthy. I hope I make it. Oh, please. Where does the more than conquer through Christ Jesus come in? Where does more, where does the ambassador of Christ come in? Can I tell you, in the Western world, we have so simplified what it is that God's called us to that all we want is the American dream. We're not sure we want God. But if we want God to speak into our lives, can I tell you, you got to live the adventure. you got to lay it down and say, God, today I'm doing this. But if you say, go there, God, I'm going there. And God, if you say, speak to them, I'm speaking to them. God, if you say, give that, I'm giving that, God, because the adventure is yours, God, because I have been called to go into all the world and to make disciples. And guess what? So have you. How's that working for you? Are your prayers too safe? Do they stop at bless this food? Amen. Or do we come to the place and say, God, I've got to hear. God, I've got to hear. You see, if you haven't figured it out yet, faith is lived in the deep end of the pool. And you don't get to wear the rubber duckies, all right? It's lived in the, it's lived in the deep end of the pool where you can't touch bottom. And you're living in this moment and saying, God, if you don't move, I'm done. Well, when you get into that place, then, then it makes sense why he filled us with the Holy Spirit. Then it makes sense why the Word of God should be in our lives. Then it makes sense why we develop a habit of prayer. Because in that moment, you've got to know. You've got to know. And God has promised to speak into that. Why? Because he is faithful. Think about it. The whole story of our faith began with a man named Abraham. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says this about Abraham. It says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went, 
even though he did not know where he was going. Joseph had a listening ear. He cultivated it by obeying God when it didn't make sense. He cultivated it by, by obeying immediately. He cultivated it by, by listening to God intuitively always. God, you're speaking. God, I just need to be in that place where I can hear you. And that's what the last point is, because the listening heart is cultivated in God's presence. Some have relegated God's presence to a devotion time and church on Sunday. And actually, for 60% of you, church on Sunday is not even that for you. Because that's about once a month that you actually engage in that. But a listening heart cultivates in the presence of God. That's why we do what we do. That's why I don't get nervous and we're singing and worshiping. If God wants to move in that time and I've got to shorten a sermon, which, by the way, don't sweat. We're on time. It's good. God's wired me that way. I can cut. It's okay. If God wants to hold us in a moment so we would just pause and stop and contemplate. If God wants to move by his spirit and yet we're all like, we've got to beat the Baptist lunch. And we're going to miss. It's why we teach the way we do at Hope. It's why we value God's word. You're not here to hear a leadership lesson or a story about my life. You're here to see God's Word. That's why we teach you to study God's Word. Because you need to dive into it. And I'm not talking a proverb in the morning. You need to dive into it. That's why we pray and we serve and we, and we fast. 21 days of praying and fasting coming up in January. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Someone told me, he said, if I knew what 2020 is going to be like, I'd have prayed and fasted harder last year. <laughs> well, we're going to be ready this time. Come on. But the more we come into God's presence, we learn to listen. We learn to discern his voice. We learn to contemplate and allow God to work in us. Listen, God speaks in a variety of ways, but we've got to learn to be ready to listen. In the Christmas story, we see Joseph listening and obeying God. After the Christmas story, we only see Joseph one more time in the Bible, but I think it's poignant. We only see him one more time listed in the Bible. And that is when he was found in the temple on the Lord's day. What kind of father would God want to raise his son? What kind of father would it take to be entrusted with raising the child, the adolescent, the teenager, Jesus? I think he'd want a dad who loved the house of God and prioritized that for his family. Dads, grandpas, uncles. I think God would want a dad who would prioritize what God prioritizes. We've slipped into this realm in our, in our Western faith of, well, I went to church a few weeks ago. I should be fine. It's not about that. It's about prioritizing the first day that we can say, God, it's yours. It's nothing else. Because God, when I prioritize what's yours, then every other day is yours too, God. And I set myself on a path to hear and to know Luke 2.41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. 
is a pattern of faithfulness. There's a pattern of coming into God's presence. There's a pattern of getting together. People ask me, Mike, does this time of the, what's, what we're going through, does it scare you as a pastor? It only in this way. I think we're doing good. I think everybody's engaging where they can. My fear is that you get used to the fact that, oh, I don't need to go to church to hear a good message. But that's not what it's about. Because some things only happen when we gather together in his name. And we're going to get there. I'm not, I'm not saying rush into that. We're going to get there. But a listening ear prioritizes what God does. Father, I pray this morning you help us. God, I pray that, Lord, you give us a heart to respond, O oh God, to the teaching of your word today. God, I pray that, Lord, there would be a sensitizing, God, in our spirits. God, like never before, because the days ahead of us, God, your word is, has predicted, Lord, whether, it's, whether you're returning soon or not, you said the days before us, we are called to shine like stars in a dark sky. God, that takes a sensitivity to you, God. That takes a, a getting our eyes off the things of the flesh, getting our eyes off the things of, of politics and seasons, and, and, and Lord, just saying, God, today, I need to hear your voice. Because, God, I want to be an ambassador. I'm here to represent you. God, speak into me. Speak through me, God. And let me discover your presence fresh again. This morning, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and you may be listening in, or you may have been brought by a friend, or you may be here, and you're, you're trying to figure this whole Jesus story out, can I tell you? Emmanuel, God with you, is the clearest picture I can give you. God came if you were the only person on earth that needed saving. God came if you're the only person on earth whose sins needed cleansing. He came to walk beside you. But yet he doesn't force his way into anyone's life. You have to receive him. And even now, where you are, whether you're at home listening on the internet, wherever you may hear this, or even where you are, you just stop right there. And you begin to talk to God. Ask Him to come into your life. Come into your life. Forgive you of your sins. Receive Jesus as your Savior and surrender your life to Him. And then, then He does all that. But then, then He engages you in a local body. Then He puts people around you because the adventure begins and we're here to help each other along the way so that we all, so that we all fulfill His promise in us. So let today be the day of salvation. Maybe you're here today and you've been a believer a long time, but honestly, when I laid out the thought of the boring Christian in your life, something in your spirit just flipped and you're like, yeah. God didn't call us to hang on, didn't call us to survive. He called us to go forward in Jesus' name.